Hi, this is Pastor Josh from First Baptist of Queen. Thank you for joining us today. This is our Wednesday night study, which we are at the moment going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we concluded last week on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. We're going to pick up this time on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So let's take a look at it together. Paul writes, uh, that, well, he has been talking throughout Ephesians chapter 5 uh, about imitating God and what that looks like in the life of the believer. The believer is supposed to follow the direction of the Spirit and live as much like Christ as possible so that as many people as possible can come to the light, can come to Jesus. And he continues that line of discussion in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Paul writes this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, Paul commonly used the phrase walk to mean how you live, the decisions you make, what kind of habitual behavior you have. So then here he is saying that we are to pay very special attention to how we live, the decisions we make, so that every part of our lives are filled with wisdom. And wisdom will help us make better decisions, ultimately live better lives. In choosing wisdom, we are better equipped to make the best possible use of our time, not frivolously throwing it away on needless activities. This wisdom is not general wisdom that anyone in the world can attain. He has been building his argument from the opening verse where he tells us that we should imitate God. So continuing his line of thinking and context through this verse, we can see that Paul considers that a wise life is one that imitates God. Therefore, Living in that wisdom enables us to live our best lives, making the best use of our time. The days in which we are living contain so much evil that if we are not looking carefully, paying special attention, we may accidentally find ourselves slipping into a pattern of life that could lead towards that very evil. So we are meant to live wise lives. And he tells us in the next verse how to do so. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, have you ever done or said anything foolish? I know I have, frequently, daily, sometimes moment by moment. But we see in these two verses, the previous verse and this one, that the opposite of wisdom is foolishness, of which we are instructed here in verse 17 to not be foolish. Most people would probably not set out to be foolish, but will inevitably make a foolish decision in the heat of the moment, only to regret it once the moment passes. Paul tells us, using contrasting statements in this verse, how we can attain wisdom. To be wise is to understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, you may say that's easier said than done. You see, understanding the Lord's will is more than mere knowledge. It is the wise application of the Lord's will, even when it is difficult. So Paul said in verse 15, to be wise. The follow-up question is, how can I be wise? Well, Paul said in verse 17, that to be wise, we need to understand what the will of the Lord is. The follow-up question then to that is, how can I understand what the will of the Lord is? He goes on to answer that question, in the next verse, verse 18. 
Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this verse, this is a parallel contrasting verse. The first half of the verse is phrased similarly as the second half of the verse, but is they are meant to be opposing statements. So you can use one to help define the other in the fact that they are opposites. In the first half, he's talking about being drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Now, the word debauchery means, uh, in the original language, recklessness, a lack of concern for consequences. This whole section of Ephesians is about Paul instructing what the life of the follower of Jesus should look like. And he mentions a variety of things that have no place being in the Christian's life. So here, he's saying reckless influence has no place in the life of a Jesus follower. He says, don't be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. That is reckless. That is a lack of concern for the consequences. He says, being drunk is reckless. Being drunk literally means to completely submit to the influence of alcohol. Now, that definition, remember this verse is a parallel contrasting verse that the first half is parallel to the second half, but they're contrasting, so they're opposites. And so the definition of drunk is very important to how we interpret the second half of the verse. So to be drunk means to completely submit to the influence of alcohol. Completely submitting to the influence of alcohol is a reckless way to live because, well, alcohol is a poor master. But now take that definition and we look at the second part of the verse because Paul, again, he's using parallel language to contrast these two different types of lifestyles. Paul's telling us that rather than completely submitting to the influence of alcohol, we, as followers of the way of Jesus, ought to be completely submitting to the influence of the Spirit, which is what it means to be filled with the Spirit, completely submitting to the influence of the Spirit. Then Paul spends these next several verses describing evidence in a person's life who is filled with the Spirit. Uh, verses 19 through 21. So remember, the, what he describes here in verses 19 through 21 is what it looks like in the life of a person who is filled with the Spirit, who is completely submitting to the influence of the Spirit. He says, you will then... You'll be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, Paul lists four individual actions, though the first two actions are identical uh, and though the receiver of the action is different. So Paul tells us to address one another and the Lord, the first two actions, he tells us to address one another and the Lord through singing. And I'm sure you go about singing constantly throughout your day. Uh, I know I do. That's a joke. I don't do that. (laughs) So being filled with the Spirit, then, does that mean we're supposed to communicate to the Lord in song constantly? We're supposed to communicate to each other uh, in song constantly, our lives are supposed to become musicals. <laughs> no, I mean, well, maybe some of our lives could do with a little more music, but, uh, this type of music here, it's associated with joy and joy should be demonstrated in how we address one another and in how we address the Lord. You know, would you say that the majority of your interactions with other people are joy filled, at least on your part? What about how you interact with the Lord? Is it constantly joy-filled? 
You see, believing in Jesus, imitating the Father and having the Spirit, we are meant to breathe joy in and out. And having joy, we are then to give thanks. The verse, always and for everything. What all does that encompass? Everything. I mean, he pulls no punches there. We're to give thanks always and for everything. So is there any circumstance that we go through that we are exempt from expressing any kind of gratitude for the Lord in that moment? No. Always and for everything. That covers every, That covers all the bases. So we're to be joyful. We're to be grateful. But then he mentions there in that last verse about being submissive. The first two are hard enough, being joyful and grateful. But then submission to one another, that is next level difficult. But look at how Paul phrases it there. We're to submit to one another, not for our own personal benefit, not even for the benefit of the other person. Not even, honestly, for the benefit collectively of the church as a whole. We're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So for the sake of Christ, we are to put the needs, wants, and preferences of other people before our own. Because, think about it, in truth, if I am really imitating God, imitating Jesus, under the guidance of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, then I come to realize that my life should be about more than just my needs, my wants, and my preferences. My life should be about Jesus, which means submitting to others for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. Before Paul started Ephesians 5, he had been writing about what the life of a mature Christian is supposed to look like, and here he has simply been continuing that theme. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit will lead us to submit to one another. Now, these areas, joy, gratitude, and selflessness, they're not unique to Ephesians chapter 5. Because, as though to answer an inevitable question raised in this verse, how can I be filled with the Spirit? Paul mirrors this phrasing in the next book of the Bible, Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, note some of the words Paul uses. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when the word is in you in large quantities. He says richly there. So when the word is in you in large quantities, you are able to have joy, singing the psalm, songs that he says. You are able to have gratitude with thankfulness in your hearts, and you are able to be selfless, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Being filled with the word and being filled with the spirit produce the same results. Now, remember what it means to be filled. Being filled means to completely submit to influence. So being filled with the Word is not merely Scripture memorization for the sake of memorization. You can easily know a whole lot of Bible verses and not have them do anything to change your behavior. You have to apply it. You have to allow the Scripture to influence you. But does that mean if I memorize more Bible verses, I will be much more filled with the Spirit? Not necessarily. More Bible does not guarantee more spirit because you still have to be filled with it to completely submit to its influence. 
What Scripture does is that Scripture in you prepares your heart for the filling of the Spirit, leading to joy, gratitude, and submissive selflessness. And Paul, he knows there, verse 21, he knows how difficult submission is. So he takes a significant chunk of the following scriptures. It's about 12 verses. And he takes that thought of submission and he gives illustration and demonstration in our lives what that's supposed to look like. And he spends those verses doing that. And we're going to look at that next time. So thank you for joining us on this look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. And next time, we're going to take a look at beginning in Ephesians 5, 22, at some uh, verses that are generally weaponized and used harmfully and controversially um, in, in several different ways as we examine what it means to submit. Thank you for joining us, and I will catch you in the next one.